This is the AMA Los Angeles podcast. Are you ready? Welcome to the AMA Los Angeles podcast. I'm Joel Metzger. I'm in the offices of Revolve in Los Angeles. Revolve is a creative agency that caters to the top movie, TV, sports, art, and music clients in the industry. And I'm here with Mark Netter, VP of Strategy. Welcome, Mark. Hey, nice to be here. Let's start off with the thumbnail of Revolve. Well, Joel, Revolve is actually a relatively young agency. We've been in business for about three, three and a half years. And the company was originally founded by uh, three partners, uh, Jay Tarani, our CEO, who I worked with 10 years ago at Deadline Advertising, Matthew Hockman, who is our managing director and runs the digital teams on the production side, and uh, Christopher C.J. Johnson, who is our uh, creative director of digital. We started off as a digital agency strictly for entertainment, uh, for clients in the movie and TV business and home entertainment, and um, have expanded from there with a, an AV division, which is trailers, TV spots, and TV promos. Uh, we opened that a little over a year ago. have had a fantastic first year. Uh, we've grown. We're about 20 people right now. And we are working with movie studios. We are working with TV networks. We are working with some of the greatest arts organizations here in Los Angeles. Um, and we see a lot of growth happening in the social media area particularly in terms of social content, since we already are, we're a creative shop and we focus on creative. Um, there's some other companies out there that would do media buying and things like that, but we really um, focus on uh, making great work, uh, whether it's on air or in theater or online. Well, let's just do some broad strokes. Uh, what are the stages that would go into a typical trailer or um, you know, TV spot? Well, it's interesting. So one of the things that I've kind of learned along the way is that there's some different nomenclature depending which medium you're working in. If you're working in film, you work with trailers, sometimes teasers, and you work with TV spots. Now, that same 30-second TV spot, if it's being created for a TV show, is called a promo. So uh, hopefully that's useful information for yeah. the audience yeah. out there. I want to, le- I want to know this stuff. <laughs> It's funny. They have very different ways of working. TV is very fast, and movies, there can be moments where it's fast, but it tends to be a lot slower. It tends to be a longer bit of a draw, and I think that's because of the size of the investment and the fact that movies are still sort of, they feel like events when they happen. So a typical movie may have a teaser trailer. If it's a, a blockbuster movie, it could be 18 months out before it's even released. Um, at some point, you'll bring a, on an agency. Uh, actually, most uh, movie studios for uh, any kind of major release will bring on multiple agencies. And in fact, you're actually still competing when you're cutting your teasers or your trailers or your TV spots to get to what's called finishes. You want to be the one that's picked out of however many that are submitted that ultimately goes into theaters or goes on air. Uh, very often will be brought in if you're especially if you're working on the trailer trailer side, which starts before TV spots do, with dailies. So we'll be getting footage that'll be coming from the set. And uh, what's useful about that is it really gives the editor, um, you know, particularly if you, your editors like like ours enjoy working from dailies, a lot of options in terms of what to put together. Uh, if you're really early on with a teaser spot, I don't think people expect that it's going to be exactly the footage that you're going to see in the film. Uh, but although there are a lot of situations where people have gone to see movies and jokes that were in the trailer don't show up in the final film because for pacing or whatever reasons they've been edited out or, or what other moments or different shots or angles have been used. 
Also, typically when you're working on a trailer, music is critically important. Uh, most shops, especially as you get to a certain size, will have an on-site music supervisor. Some will, you know, work out of house. And um, but very often editors themselves will have ideas about a great piece of music to use. And that piece of music really can build the rhythm of a, of a trailer or a TV spot. And again, very often you won't hear that music in the finished film. There's been a few cases, um, I'm not recalling the specific ones, but there have been a few cases that I know where the music was so popular from a trailer and became identified with the movie that they ended up using it in a film. But um, typically what happens is then you go through a process of doing various uh, versions of the trailer. You might do multiple versions in-house. You might have different editors work on different versions that you want to present to the studio. You might um, also, once you, you'll get some direction from the studio as far as, you know, are they selling this as a thriller or a horror film or a romance or, you know, what type of audience they're trying to hit? Do you want to do different trailers for different audiences? Usually when you get to TV spots, you start to break out a little bit more. But on the trailer side, you you know, you'll deliver your version to the, your, your first round to the client. They'll come back to you with notes. Typically they'll want changes. And they can range from broader uh, kind of tonal changes. Sometimes you'll even get a whole change of strategy. Be like, oh, we, we've done some testing, and now we're not going to sell this as a horror film. We're going to sell it as a thriller. And there is, a, there is definitely a difference between the two. Um, and you do your changes on those rounds. Sometimes the changes are very minute. They could be down to shot choices. They could be, hey, we want you to feature more of a certain actor. They could be certain lines that they want to have featured. There are all different ways that those can change. And as you get closer and closer to the trailer release, you do more and more of these changes. And meanwhile, other companies around town are doing those changes at the same time. And one of them, typically one, will get picked to be the one that goes to a finish. And when that's your agency, that's a very, very happy day. With the so there's a certain amount of you're doing work on spec for a certain amount of time. Well, you are being paid for that work. Oh, you're being paid for it, but you don't know if you win the right. And you, I believe, you do get more if it is a finish. Um, and also, it goes on your reel then. And you know, part of when you're with when you're in an entertainment ad agency that's a creative agency, every single piece of creative that we create that ends up being seen by consumers is a piece that goes on our reel. Is a piece of marketing for us. So it's very important, especially as a young agency, uh, even though we're stacked, as I like to say, with industry veterans, it's really important for a young agency to be able to get as much on their reel as possible. So we're really going for those finishes. And it's, it's fine if they're TV spots. Um, you know, you can end up doing multiple TV spots for a movie. Um, there's some argument that it may end up being even more lucrative than working on a trailer. Um, though there is so much prestige that's associated with having trailers that are out there. And uh, those tend to go a lot faster. They tend to be closer to the time of release. It is not uncommon for studios, and different studios differ in their philosophy, but it's not uncommon for certain studios to go with a completely different agency for the TV spots than for the trailers, wanting a new look or a different point of view. Same thing goes for international as well. So we not only uh, you know, market ourselves to the domestic executives or domestic marketing but also international marketing there are definitely times where international will take domestic and use that as the basis for what they want to do but um, a lot of studios really go with completely different creative for international 
understanding that the international market may be have have different uh, standards. You know, one thing that's sort of common in Europe, for example, is you know on television they'll show sex, but they won't show violence. Whereas in America, we seem to be a lot more comfortable with violence than with sex. Um, but there's different ways in which they get marketed to different countries or different regions of the world based on what the appetites might be there and what the uh, customs might be. So even domestically, you, you said they may put out different versions? You know, it, you definitely will get a trailer one. For big movies, you get a trailer one and a trailer two. You've seen that for blockbusters out there. And there's a lot of anticipation around it now. I, I think what's kind of exciting about the trailer world and and certainly geeky about it is that trailers that come out, you know, particularly for blockbuster films or, or superhero or comic book type movies or, or sequels, they get a lot of analysis. And you'll see um, trailers that come out for the latest Marvel superhero movie where they are analyzing it down to the frame. And I think the trailers are being cut that way now, too. One thing that you'll notice if you look at a trailer now, you can go on YouTube and watch trailers from, you know, 10, 20, 15 years, you know, 15, 20 years ago or longer. The big changes I think you've seen in the trailers is that there's less voiceover. Um, there's still some, but there's less. It's more likely to be cards that announce things. And, you know, the old uh, in a world, yes. yeah, you know, a lot of that's being replaced by cards, which, you know, I mean, I love voiceover artists and hopefully they get more work. So don't want that all to go away. The other thing is that they're cut a lot faster. And they're more showy and less telly. And the typical structure of a trailer, a two-minute trailer, and two minutes kind of the norm, although some movies do go a little bit longer, um, is that you want to kind of start with some sort of hook that really pulls you in. It may be a combination, maybe music or a combination of music and uh, something else, uh, you know, some uh, moment from the movie, some action moment or emotional moment, whatever it might be. Then you want to tell the story for you know maybe another minute or so and then you kind of want to go nuts and you want to give audiences a sense of all there is to see in the movie um, obviously with a big spectacle picture with special effects and action you kind of know how that's going to feel if it's something that's more of a human story then it might go in a different direction but you still want to give that sort of it's a little more freedom to the editors at that point in the sense of uh excitement that really builds to the finish until the audience literally, you know, is dying to see the movie. Have you ever gotten in a situation where special effects are not finished in time? Because oh, I know because sure. I know a lot of times special effects get caught up right at the very end. You can get caught up with special effects not being finished. Um, you can have a trailer that you have the dailies for. You even have a have the first edit for or, or uh, you know, a decent cut of it. But you can't start working yet because they're about to go out and do, you know, 10 pages of reshoots or 15 pages or 20 pages of reshoots. And that's going to change the movie a lot and give you a lot more to work with. So um, there's a lot of things that can kind of keep you certainly from showing everything in the movie. And you have to work with what you have at the time. Who makes the decision of showing too much? Because I feel like there's... That's not happening as much. I, it seems like, uh, like you said, 10, 15 years ago, I guess in the Don LaFontaine era, yeah, yeah, yeah. era it just seems like you'd walk out and you're like, okay, I don't need to see it now because I, I saw the whole thing up on the trailer. But I don't feel like that's happening as much. It's more like, a, like you said, show and not tell. I think that, well, first of all, those decisions are made 
typically by the studio and often with the strong input, if not the final approval of the filmmaker, depending how powerful they are. You know, with certain filmmakers like a Christopher Nolan, um, they have so much power over their marketing. They tend to drive marketers very hard to create new and interesting things. But folks I know that have worked on uh, his movies say that, you'll, you know, as hard as you work, it's the best work you'll ever do in your career. Uh, and so, you know, a, a guy like Steven Spielberg will have a lot of control over his trailer. In some cases, filmmakers try to cut trailers themselves, um, sometimes with mixed results. The, um, you know, my favorite is the Shining trailer that Stanley Cooper cut, which was just the uh, elevator doors opening on the lobby, the lobby filled with blood, and then all the chairs and everything was floating. Back in those days, you could show a black and white print to the MPAA to get approval for it, and that was the last movie they allowed that for because they gave it a uh, general public a PG or a G rating. And when they didn't realize it was blood until they saw the final print. Wow. They just thought it was a pipe burst or something. Sure, like some water, <laughs> you know, filling r- it. Rusty floating. water. And, yeah. Um, okay, so those are some broad strokes on a, a trailer or a promo. Let's get the nomenclature down. So there's a, there's a teaser, there's a trailer, and there's a promo. Well, there's a teaser, the trailer, and the TV spot if you're in features. Right. Now, TV is the promo, all right? So it's oh, not, I see. Okay, not a spot. Okay. It's called a promo. Okay, I got it. And there's a couple of different kinds of promos. There's the where it's cut footage, and that's um, you have a finished show, and you're just cutting the footage from the show and trying to make it as exciting as you can or as moving or as funny as you can. Sometimes uh, you'll do work for a network. Um, you know, Let's say it's a network that has four comedies on a Wednesday night, and you have to fit four four jokes into 30 seconds, and that can be challenging, but also a lot of fun. Um, and then there's the sh- what they call shoot promos or original shoot promos, and that's where typically for uh, a season premiere or a launch of a new show, you'll actually come up with a concept, and, and often the agency will be hired for the concept. Sometimes it's generated internally at the network. But ideally, you know, as an agency, you want to be able to get the opportunity to come up with a concept that you can go and shoot for a day and then um, create something completely new that gives you a special feeling about the show that presents it in a certain manner. We did one for ABC Speechless where um, you know, it's a mini driver uh, comedy, single camera situation comedy uh, about uh, a family where the she's single mom raising a family and one of her sons has uh, cerebral palsy which in fact the uh, executive producer creator of the show has a brother who has that that um, that condition and uh, our creative director on that Dan Bernath came up with a great idea which was to use the song Roland and to start with tight shots of the wheelchair as opposed to you know a, a hot rod car or something like that, and then basically do a slow motion walk with the main characters down a suburban street with the with the uh, the sun rolling you know with them, and it was very well received, and kind of gave you a feeling of the attitude of the show, without giving you just the cut scenes. Um, it's kind of I think it elevates it a little bit, sort of the way that a billboard gives you an image of the show. That you know might not the be the flavor a, of it. Yeah, which might have been a special shoot as opposed to just showing you some pictures from the show, which are, you know, might necessarily be the most entertaining advertising because it's that's more just in scene stuff where characters are doing things that are meant to be part of a longer piece, you know, whether it's dramatic or comedic. So I think there's a, a great place for those kinds of promos, and there's some 
fantastic work that's being done out there that, you know, kind of mind-blowing theatrical quality work at the promo level. It must feel a lot more creative to be actually be able to go and shoot something. It's know. a lot of I mean, there's so many ways to be creative in this business. And I think the thing that's really fun for, and hopefully this resonates with listeners who are in creative advertising, it's, it, I think it's really fun to see new stuff all the time. I mean, literally every day, whether we're on the AV side, uh, the audiovisual or, or, you know, the, the, the video side, or whether we're on the um, the digital side, there's it's just it's kind of great to see what the creative people that you know we work with come up with every day. Okay, so that's uh, TV and film. Now, what about social? All right, so and kind of what I've been talking about. Those are both TV and film. Really talking about just the video side of it. You know, there's the digital side as well. Um, on the social side. Uh, as far as video content, that's kind of the exploding area of the marketplace right now. Um, we're doing a project for one studio right now for their home video release of their of their uh, of one of their recent f- features, where we came up with a whole strategy for different kinds of social video and some social stills as well called memes that um, would go into Facebook. Uh, Instagram, potentially into Twitter. Um, I don't think in this one we're doing Snap, but you know, potentially you can do stuff on Snap as well. And the idea is that you have to be able to, uh, you know, a kind of tell a story in a much shorter period of time. You know, if TV spots get down to thirty, sometimes fifteens or tens, you might be doing five-second pieces, and they might be looping. Some of them might be footage with some sort of graphic overlay of what the characters are saying so you can watch it without sound, which is, you know, wouldn't have existed even five years ago, Um, but very common now. So, you know, when you're at work and you want to be watching all that great social media content. Like in Facebook, the sound doesn't really kick on unless you go mouse like right over it. Yeah. So you want to be able to grab the eye when it's just in the scroll. So you're going to need the titles, I guess. Exactly right. I mean, you don't know whether someone's turned the sound off on their phone, even if you have autoplay sound, which Facebook used to have, and then we learned how to turn it off. And then Facebook originally, I think, figured out that they wanted to be an option to turn it on, not turn it off. It's people getting busted at work and getting upset about that. Um, but yeah, you and, and you can do really creative stuff as well. You know, you can we've come up with different sort of what I would call kind of suites of content that might be built around one particular aspect, um, one marketing thrust of a particular of that particular movie. You know, there might be a set that's built around certain characters, or it might be a set built around one of the activities that happens in the movie, or something like that. Um, there's all kinds of different creative material and creative ways that you can work with material in social. And again, it's I mean, it's it's no different from what you're trying to do in outdoor or you know, we'll call out of home, which billboards or what you're trying to do on TV with with TV spots or promos, you're trying to break through the noise. Right. That seems to be the job one for everybody these days. Um, I I can talk a little bit also about the other side of digital, which is kind of how we got our start, which is in display advertising. Um, There's still a market out there for banners and page takeovers in rich media. More and more often now you're finding video playing through those banners We've had cases where we, or you know, very often, get a longer trailer or even a TV spot and have to cut it down to you know 10 to 15 seconds to fit inside of a banner, um, both to catch the eye and also because of the space limitations and serving those, especially as mobile has become the way that we see stuff more and more. 
you know, it can be tough to kind of break through with the pop-up blockers and ad blockers that are, you know, more and more common these days. But again, if entertainment advertising, the advertising should be entertaining. Um, we'll add special effects to um, some of the trailer material. We'll add special effects that are be in the artwork around the uh, whatever video that we're featuring. Sometimes it's reactive to the um, to the content in some way. So we do a lot of page takeovers. You might go to IMDb and do we see a takeover? We did uh, well, we did one for Disney uh, a month or two ago for Born in China, and um, just gorgeous you know work with these pandas out there in the middle of China and, and things like that. But we've done things um, for uh, Fox Home Entertainment for X-Men where you can even pick which character you want to change the page takeover to to be. It you know, changes the skin of that takeover. So there's lots of ways you can be creative within um, within that whole area as well. I didn't know they were called takeovers. That's Makes me hate them even more now. <laughs> you got takeovers. You got roadblocks. You know what are, what are roadblocks? Oh, roadblocks is when you take all, when you buy up all the ad units on that page, and the key is to try to make them work together in some sort of interesting way, so they're not just duplicative of each other, and so that it's it's creative in some way. Like if you have a what's called a skyscraper, which would be a taller unit, you know, you might have a character that's climbing up something through that skyscraper. There's different ways you can make it play. We've had. Um, you know, the speedy character in X-Men, you know, kind of wipe the ad across the page. There's all kinds of ways you can, you can make them a lot of fun. As the VP of strategy, how do you work with your creative staff? Well, uh, I'd say a key focus of my job is business development. So I'm really out there reaching out and uh, always trying to uh, find new clients and, and get them to see our work and also to meet our creative directors. Uh, our creative director, and one of the uh, three founding partners of the company, uh, Christopher Johnson, CJ, uh, on the digital side. Um, and he's also been a big partner with me on some of the more advanced stuff we've been looking at in AR and VR. Uh, I'll work with him on our theatrical side for AV. Uh, Adrian Sainsbury Carter has been cutting for um, several decades uh, around town, various, um, you know, uh, of the great trailer houses. And then also Dan Bernath, who came to us after 10 years at ABC, but also has a background prior in cable and other places as well on the AV side and, and writes and directs, as I mentioned, uh, himself as long as, as well as being a, a key creative director and editor for the company. So what's coming up in the future that Revolve might be excited about? Well, in some ways, the future is actually here, Joel. The, um, we just did our first augmented reality project. It was for Warner Brothers for the upcoming uh, Christopher Nolan movie, Dunkirk, I kind of mentioned earlier. Um, this is one where we it's being used in a location-based uh, promotion where they're literally driving around the country with huge a huge mobile truck that's a screening room and showing lucky um, audiences uh, some clips or behind the scenes. I'm not sure exactly what they're showing for the movie. But while you're waiting online, you actually get this flyer that was... It's a copy of the one the Germans dropped on the British soldiers to try to get them to surrender at Dunkirk. And, uh, you know, folks who don't know the story, you'll know more this summer when everybody goes to see this movie because it looks absolutely unbelievably uh, great. And we make the flyer come alive. You actually download, and there's instructions on the flyer to download an app called Blipar to your phone. You hold it over the flyer, and it recognizes the image, and for a short uh, 10, 15-second piece of animation comes to life. 
um, in the style of the flyer, and you can even move the flyer around and it kind of tracks with it. And there's more and more work that we're pitching on augmented reality, things where you could actually be in the scene with a character from the movie and uh, in your phone and shoot video of it or take pictures of it and share it with your friends. And the, uh, the opportunities for virality, for it to go viral, with this kind of um, augmented reality is just huge. And you can do augmented reality where it recognizes the image on a poster. It could be the logo. It could be in the image that you see online. The, uh, it could be in the, you go into the theaters and there's something on the standee or the poster there that it recognizes that enhances your experience and creates excitement around it, whether it's some form of animation or some other form of interactivity. You can even have augmented reality, um, you know, at the end of it where you can can click to go and see the trailer. The other area is virtual reality, which you know everyone's been hearing a lot about. It's a little bit more specialized, and there's a number of different flavors of virtual reality. Uh, there's room-scale virtual reality, which is you need a more high-end headset like an Oculus or an HTC Vive, where you put it on and you can actually walk around and explore a space until you bump into a wall. and. Very often inside of the VR experience, it'll show you where the walls are so you don't bump into your actual wall. Uh, and those can be really thrilling and, and just take your breath away. There's also 360 video. And so for um, less advanced units like the, uh, the Gear VR from Samsung or Google Cardboard, it will reach more people. So although you'll have less immersion, um, it's more just 360 video, whereas the video runs, you can turn all the way around and, and sort of stay in one place. But the, the, as I said, the advantage there is that you can reach a, a broader audience. And you can do things, uh, you know, uh, I know Universal for the Mummy did something where you're kind of on the set while that's happening. Um, there's all different things that we're pitching out there in different ways that it can be used uh, by movie studios or TV networks to deepen the experience while at the same time advertising the experience and creating greater engagement for the user. Hollywood is a really small town. Would you say uh, entertainment marketing is like a, a village within that village? Uh, for sure. I think, um, you know, obviously a lot of AMA members out there are going to be from different industries that are, are bigger. And maybe within certain verticals, you know, in automotive or things like that, you start to know everybody who's at all the different companies that are in the marketing departments. There definitely is that uh, ability to do that here in Hollywood in entertainment advertising. Uh, the movie studios are kind of, you know, one village. The TV networks are another village. You've got the broadcast networks and then the cable networks, and that expands a little bit. And uh, while the movie business is mainly, I would say, 95% focused in L.A., you do have, with television New York, you have all the Turner uh, companies that are in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, you when, once you can kind of get to know who's involved on the AV side or and TV, it's called on air, or who's involved with the on the digital side or the social side, it's obviously always growing. There's always newer people coming in, younger people that are moving up, but people do get to know each other, and you know your reputation is really important in this town, both in terms of the creative work you do and also I would say your word. You know, um, so I guess it's a, you know, it's a little old fashioned in that way. I'd say there's more phone, email and texting than there is face to face as there has been in the past. But there still is tremendous value to actually getting out there and meeting people, um, you know, whether it's in their offices or meeting them over lunch or dinner or, you know, other forms of socializing. 
certain events that happen every year. Just went to the Golden Trailers. There's the Key Art Awards on the feature side. Just went to Promax, which is the uh, TV marketing conference. It's either in New York or L.A. This year it was in L.A., which was very convenient for us, although it's a lot of fun for us to go to New York as well. Just um, we're starting to do some work in the video game side, which um, is a form of entertainment advertising. I've been involved with that in the past at other companies. And uh, E3, the big entertainment marketing, uh, entertainment expo, electronic entertainment expo just happened here in L.A. last week. And there were obviously a lot of marketing people there. And um, you can get some meetings while the marketing people are also marketing themselves to the industry and to the public. Um, This has all been great stuff. Where can people find out more about Revolve or see more work besides the theater? Absolutely. Please go to our website. We're at revolveagency.com www.revolveagency.com it's, it's spelled like it sounds we've got some of our recent work up there as well in digital AV and social we are also on Instagram and Facebook and uh, try to stay current posting stuff I think one of the challenges when you're an agency is always creating your own work to promote yourself when you really have your uh, most creative staff working for your clients Mark Netter, Vice President of Strategy at Revolve Thanks for coming on the AMA Los Angeles podcast. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Joel. You've been listening to the AMA Los Angeles podcast. For more information on the American Marketing Association's Los Angeles chapter and to find out about upcoming events, follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. This podcast was produced by Joel Metzger and Ice Box Logic.